This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Outer Blue Talks Research, knowledge sharing on financial research. Hello, and welcome to this Amundi Research Podcast with me, Swaha Patnaik. Today's episode is going to focus on central bank digital currencies. We'll be explaining what CBDCs, to use their acronym, are, why central banks are developing them, as well as some of their potential pros and cons. Joining me to walk us through all of these issues is Tristan Perrier. Tristan is a macroeconomist who recently co-authored a paper on central bank digital currencies, along with our group CIO, Vincent Mortier. Tristan, welcome to the podcast and really great to have you with us here. Hello, Swaha. Thanks for having me. Well, perhaps we could start with the basics, Tristan, and you could kick off by explaining exactly what a central bank digital currency is and perhaps how it differs from the paper currencies that central banks already issue. Okay, so the central bank digital currencies are a new form of currency currently developed by central banks. They will be digital, as their name implies, and they will be direct liabilities of the central bank. So this direct liability feature makes them uh, uh, similar to cash. The difference, of course, is the form cash as we know it is paper and the CBDC will be uh, digital. Importantly, uh, they are different from uh, bank deposits, which constitute a large part of the money supply because uh, conventional bank deposits, while being digital, are not direct liabilities of the central bank. They are direct liabilities of the uh, banking system. Uh, then there will be two types of CBDCs. So one type one is retail CBDCs. These will be available to the uh, general public, just like bank deposits and just like conventional cash. Again, they have differences with uh, these two. They are digital and they are uh, liabilities of the central bank. And then there will be wholesale CBDCs, which are more similar to reserves, to bank reserves in their philosophy. They will only be available to select financial institutions through a segment of the interbank uh, market. Where they are different from traditional reserves is essentially the technologies. These uh, wholesale CBDCs will use technologies such as blockchains or digital distributed ledger technologies, which are similar to those used for other types of uh, new digital assets. Okay. Well, what prompted the whole sort of launch of these sort of projects and the central banks looking into developing these sort of instruments? I think you could uh, mention essentially three causes. One is very straightforward. It is the shrinking use of cash by uh, households, by the general public, which was accelerated by the uh, COVID crisis. Uh, then another cause is that uh, there have been more and more private uh, players and some uh, very big ones, sometimes in a monopoly or duopoly position, which have somewhat invaded the realm of uh, currencies. And here the situation varies quite a lot across uh, countries. Some of these actors uh, could be typically uh, digital payment providers of the private sector, 
which could be domestic. As you may know, in China, there is this duopoly of uh, uh, WeChat and Alipay, which uh, is maybe a key reason why the Chinese central bank has developed this uh, CBDC project. In other areas of the world, such as the euro area, the worry over threats to monetary sovereignty may come rather uh, from foreign uh, payment providers, such as the big US-based credit card uh, providers. Then there is also, uh, of course, the development of cryptocurrencies, which is perceived, especially stable coins, those cryptocurrencies that are pegged to uh, conventional currencies, which may be seen also uh, by public authorities as somewhat carrying risks to this uh, sovereignty, uh, monetary sovereignty. I see. Um, so you mentioned China. Perhaps you could tell us in China and also beyond, uh, what sort of stage of development are some of these projects? Are, are, are some of the central banks ready to launch already? Uh, not so many have launched. Indeed, China is important. I did not mention the third cause for this uh, rapid development of CBDC projects. It is clearly geopolitics. China is quite advanced in its project, even, even though it has not fully launched. As we all know, China also wants to grow the status of the renminbi. This CBDC is perceived uh, by outsiders as potentially being a vector of this uh, internationalization and use of the currencies as a, as a vector of geopolitical power. So it's a reason why uh, other central banks want to join the race. So geopolitics was also uh, a reason. Uh, now, when it comes to where uh, big countries or uh, at which stage they are actually of the of the project, so China is by far the most advanced. It has run uh, test projects in, in, in select uh, areas, in select cities, but it has now several hundreds, millions wallets holding the CBDC. Other uh, large uh, jurisdictions are somewhat less advanced, so although the euro area would be uh, one that has uh, already um, uh, achieved a number of milestones. It is. It has uh, conducted uh, discussions, technical investigations. It has conducted discussions with various uh, stakeholders, and it is pushing forward with the technical proposals for to actually develop a, a project. Uh, other, when it comes to the United States, the United States would not be uh, so advanced. It does not mean that they are late. They are exactly where they want to be, but they have decided not to be first in this uh, race, which could be explained by several factors. First of all, there is uh, the, the dominant status of the US dollar, which means that the threat to sovereignty is not the same in the US for, from the US perspective as from other countries' uh, perspective. And you could also mention that uh, obviously, the U.S. has very extensive private research capabilities, so they can let the private sector develop alternative new forms of cash first. Maybe the public sector could internalize these technologies later uh, if needed. So it's, it is watching, observing uh, the market. Of course, it is closely monitoring developments in, uh, in China, but uh, the U.S. project is somewhat less uh, advanced. There's no full project. In fact, there, there are investigations. It's less advanced than the European one. When it comes to the uh, CBDCs that have fully launched, uh, in fact, it's only very few of them and in rather uh, small uh, jurisdictions for most of them. The pioneer was the uh, Bahamas, and this was followed by uh, other Caribbean countries, including the, the ECCU, so the Currency Union of the Eastern Caribbeans, and uh, also Jamaica. 
Outside of the Caribbean, uh, there is it is only Nigeria that has uh, fully launched. So the the backdrop of these countries, the reason why they launch CBDCs are, are quite different from uh, those of, of large Western advanced economies or even China, which limits, in fact, the possibility to extrapolate their uh, experience. But most uh, central banks, as the, 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 the BIS has commented on uh, extensively, uh, most central banks uh, are at least investigating uh, the possibility of launching uh, projects. Thank you, Tristan. So you're giving us a fairly sort of broad outline of why central banks uh, and supporters of CBDCs think they might be necessary. Um, What do the critics say? Are there any obvious drawbacks that they point to um, from launching CBDCs? Are there risks? Uh, Yes, in fact, it's essentially two types of uh, very different risks that have been uh, pointed out by uh, reluctant uh, observers, by detractors. The first risk has to do with uh, the effect on the banking sector. It is the possibility that the CBDC could act as a competitor to deposits, therefore weaken the deposit base of uh, banking institutions and therefore impair their ability to lend. This could be made even worse in in circumstances of financial crisis where people could rush to the CBDC, which would be perceived as safer than the bank deposits as being uh, because it is a liability of the central bank. And that could exacerbate a bank run phenomenon be it domestically or even uh, participants could rush to a foreign CBDC, which could be convenient to hold. And then that could destabilize the domestic uh, banking system in in a backdrop of cross-border banking crisis. So there are these risks to the banking system. The other uh, large type of risk, which has been quite extensively discussed uh, against the backdrop of the the, the incoming uh, U.S. presidential campaign, is the 1984 Big Brother-like dystopian uh, risk of uh, of large breach to uh, privacy and individual freedom. It is the fear that a CBDC could give just too much power in terms of monitoring transactions to uh, central bank authorities and therefore the government in general. And also the fear that uh, the CBDCs could be gradually transformed into what you call, although the term can be a bit vague, programmable money, meaning that uh, the central bank would have the power to restrict the use of this money to certain types of transactions or to uh, select uh, counterparties. So there's the, 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 the second big fear is about this uh, increased excessive uh, government power that CBDCs could uh, could allow. I see. I mean, I presume central banks are putting in place uh, structures and mechanisms that would prevent particularly the financial system from coming under the sort of stress you discussed, because they rely on the financial system for the transmission of their monetary policy. And the last thing they would want is to exacerbate a bank run in the future. So what are some of the ideas that they're putting in place to push, uh, you know, reduce the risk of this sort of uh, factor emerging? So yes, indeed, uh, central banks are planning safeguards against uh, this risk. The main uh, safeguard uh, are schemes and and rules that uh, should ensure that the CBDC is just a means of transaction and not an investment uh, asset that people could hold in large numbers for uh, safety. So some of the safeguards that that will probably be uh, implemented, again, we're talking of projects here, there are a few CBDCs that have been launched, would include uh, minimum, sorry, maximum holding uh, ratios and uh, also uh, the the, the impossibility in the case of 
the euro area, there could be the impossibility for corporations to actually hold CBDCs for a very long. At the end of the day, they could be just for households and only in, uh, except during at the time of the transaction and uh, in limited numbers. So this is this is the main uh, restriction. I, I see it as uh, rather uh, convincing. Uh, if, if indeed you can you can technically uh, implement this uh, this type of, um, of of limits, and and hence it could probably protect uh, the or prevent the CBDC from doing too much damage to the to the banking system. But then it's largely untested, and, and as uh, I think the IMF uh, chief economist said, uh, the, 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 the effects are largely uh, unknown. We could we could of course discover consequences that have not been uh, foreseen uh, in the uh, before before launch. And what about the second point that you made on the privacy issue? Because basically what you're talking about is the central bank collecting data on every supermarket transaction, every retail transaction, whatever you do, wherever you go. If you use your CBDC wallet, digital wallet, if you like, the information will somehow be going to the central bank and could be stored there. Is there some way they could ring fence that, protect that or, you know, not gather that data in effect in or apart from in aggregate? Yes, uh, there there is in fact. So most CBDCs, at least in large countries, will probably launched under a two-tier architecture, where the CBDC is issued by the central bank, but then it is distributed by commercial banks. This will this will also prevent uh, commercial banks f- uh, from losing business due to the CBDCs. It could also uh, uh, provide them with opportunities to develop new services around the CBDCs. But in terms of privacy and individual freedom, it means that not all the information should be uh, provided to the, about each and every detail of the transactions should be provided to the central bank. It should remain at the commercial bank level the way it is today with uh, bank deposits. Uh, however, there, there, are more, uh, there are more issues, as I mentioned, around the, possible, the, the, the possibilities offered by programmable money. And it is true that uh, even if governments nowadays say that uh, for instance, the CBDC will never be money with a limited duration that you absolutely need to spend, otherwise you lose it, which, which could be something that governments could try to do to ensure that money distributed will indeed fuel into demand and therefore that a d- demand stimulus could, uh, could work. Uh, so in that case, of course, the counter argument is that, yes, the CBDC could have a number of restrictions first, but then come a financial crisis, come uh, uh, an emergency situation that they are also in terms of information the necessity for the state to track some types of transactions then the restrictions could be lifted first uh, officially on a temporary basis but then this lifting of uh, restrictions could uh, become permanent so it's not it's not uh, because the the, the the fact that at launch the CBDC will have a number of restrictions to, to prevent this in infringement on, uh, on inf- individual freedom does not mean that these restrictions will remain forever. As you say, we always uh, progress during crises to new stages of development and policymaking. Let me stay with the policymaking element. You were talking about the uh, concept of something like helicopter money when you were talking about money that's sort of basically uh, like a coupon and will be a CBDC in your wallet for a certain amount of time if the government wants to encourage you to spend. CBDCs could potentially, if we ever come to the scenario where interest rates go down to zero again, be also a way of imposing negative interest rates directly on retail, which for the most part didn't happen during the last period of negative interest rates. 
Yes, indeed, this is this is typically an issue. So uh, if we take the European project today, the CBDC should not carry interest rate, be they uh, positive or negative. Uh, and in general, today, uh, as far as I know, all uh, central banks are presenting CBDC projects as tools for financial inclusion, for more efficient payment, for uh, sovereignty as well, for fostering a number of financial innovation. They are not presenting CBDCs as new tools of monetary policy. However, uh, research has investigated some possible, uh, more academic research has investigated some possibilities. So as you, as you just mentioned, it could be a potential vector of this kind of helicopter money, so extreme negative interest rates, meaning the, the money disappears after a time, that, that would become technically possible. Uh, and then there are other uh, possible side effects on monetary policy. So some of them could be rather positive if uh, the central bank has more information on transactions, but that, as I said, this is unsure and there are also drawbacks to this, then it can be uh, it can be uh, guessed that the central bank may also have more accurate and timely information on the state of the economy, which could help it calibrate better monetary policy. That could potentially be a positive. Uh, but now there are also uh, potential consequences on the zero lower bound. Typically, if, uh, if the, the central bank uh, digital currency carries negative interest rates and that cash is not anymore so conveniently available, then that would definitely weaken the zero lower bound, allow central banks for more efficient, powerful use of negative uh, interest rates. But here, today's restriction is that, or today's limit is that central banks also say that CBDCs will be, uh, will supplement cash. They are not going to, they are not supposed to replace it. Uh, conversely, you could also have a situation where the CBDC carries no uh, interest rate, but then it is much more uh, cheaply and, and, and efficiently available than uh, cash, which has a cost to store, and that could actually strengthen the zero lower bound. People would rush to the CBDC, accumulate uh, a lot of it, and then uh, negative interest rates on other assets, which have much less power. So depending on what happens on the architecture, but again, this architecture is susceptible of changing over time. Uh, the, the, the effects on monetary policy could be uh, multiple, but they are unwanted, at least, uh, at least officially, by central banks uh, as in the way CBDC projects are presented today. And indeed, the, the limits that I mentioned, the fact that uh, households will not be allowed to hold more than a given level of it should uh, limit the, its impact on monetary policy in the, uh, in the short term uh, future. But again, uh, the longer term, the, the history is, uh, is uh, typically is still very uncertain. Okay, we've been talking more about the impact, Tristan, on the economy and households. What about any ripple effects CBDCs might have on the way financial markets function? There can be. Uh, so there's this important distinction. This relates to the technology use, and there is this important distinction between retail CBDCs and wholesale CBDCs. Wholesale CBDCs, in, in terms of concept, as I very briefly described, are not so different from uh, bank reserves. So it's, it's a central bank liability that is used in the uh, interbank market. Here, the difference with what already exists is essentially technology. They will be uh, using blockchain or assimilated uh, distributor ledger uh, technology. So if wholesale uh, CBDCs develop, 
this could lead uh, in, a, in a B2B context more and more players to use this distributor ledger technologies or blockchain. At some point, it can make many people more familiar with them. And maybe uh, these technologies could also develop for the, as, a, as a payment rail, as a transaction rail for trading other assets. It could be bonds, it could be equities. In theory, blockchains, DLTs, have lots of advantages in terms of can bring uh, markets, lots of advantages, such as uh, instant liquidity, uh, permanent uh, availability, 20, 24 hours, uh, seven days a week, and, and so on, uh, uh, divisibility, uh, and uh, and plenty of also the, the lack to the lack of the need to reconciliate account between back office middle office front office there are plenty the, the interaction with also dynamic uh, fintech applications so they could they have the theoretical potential to make all financial markets not just money markets more quicker more efficient less costly in reality it has taken more time than initially thought to take off. There have been lots of tests, uh, but the setup costs are high. And for investment to be profitable in these technologies, you need a network effect, which does not really exist uh, at this point. But if uh, the central bank digital currencies leads blockchain technologies to be better known, used, uh, used more widely, then maybe that could accelerate the transformation of other financial markets through the use of this uh, technology. It's a bit different for retail uh, CBDCs. And here there's often a lot of confusion in the press uh, in, regarding some of the big projects such as the Euro Area uh, 1, for instance. It is not really decided what technology will be used in the end. And it is quite unlikely, at least in my view, that it will be blockchains because there are scalability issues. You're, you're really talking of, a, of, a, of an enormous amount of transactions here. So it's not so certain that at their core, retail CBDCs will have a, a technology that resembles blockchain. It may be the case in small uh, countries, but it's, it's less likely in uh, big um, jurisdictions. So in that case, the, the, the way it could influence other markets is a bit less clear. It's a bit early to tell. But you could say in general that uh, retail CBDC will make the retail public more familiar with digital assets in general. And maybe in the future, there will be channels that could be developed for uh, households to very uh, retail for retail participants to very easily and quickly purchase investment uh, assets of other types, shares, equities, and so on. You using a CBDC through some uh, some apps in their wallets and so on. So there could be also uh, some uh, some channels here. They are a bit clearer. Uh, sorry, they are a bit less clear than uh, for what, what the wholesale CBDC can bring due to, in fact, a lack of clarity on the final technology that is going to be used. But typically in China, the, the core of the CBDC, which is, of course, the, the, the interesting large example to, to watch, uh, the core of the CBDC does not use a DLT blockchain type uh, technology, but there are some, uh, some channels uh, where, uh, where some, some applications can still uh, use, establish a connection between the CBDC and uh, blockchain or digital uh, ledger technology based services. So Tristan, let me ask you just to wind up. Well, we're not lucky enough to live in the Bahamas where these things already may be uh, trialed uh, in the general public. When are the likes of you and me going to be able to use CBDCs and supermarkets, restaurants and so on? 
Well, uh, if you were in China as a supporter for the Olympics, you could because they made the CBDC available to uh, foreign visitors. And actually, I checked just before making this podcast and uh, uh, digit the sand dollar, which was the first CBDC to be fully launched in the world in the Bahamas, is actually also available to uh, tourists. Uh, although I'm not sure Amundi will give me a budget for a study trip there, but uh, maybe I could. Uh, that could be something to to ask. Uh, for the so so uh, as a tourist, you can already in in these few jurisdictions where it is fully launched or where the pilot is widespread you can already uh, use it typically in some shops and restaurants in uh, in china for uh, europe in according to the uh, official timetable it would not be before 2027 or 2028 if there are the usual slippages that are normal with uh, extremely complex projects it could be uh, a bit uh, after so we are looking at the end of the decade here Fair enough. Well, that's some timeline at least. Maybe we could all take a trip to Jamaica and try it out. Sounds like a good reason to go there on top of all the others. Tristan, thank you very much for taking the time to come and explain such a complicated topic on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks to all of you for taking the time to listen to us today. We hope you'll join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.